The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. More than 40% of people in their 40s and 50s have both an aging parent and a child under the age of 21. Caring for people in multiple generations demands time, love, attention, and more. Welcome to Caught Between Generations with your host, Dr. Merrill Griff. Our program will bring you the information you need as a family caregiver for everyone for whom you care, with guest experts and resources to help you keep sane and organized. Now, here is Dr. Meryl Griff. Welcome to Caught Between Generations. Today we're going to discuss an issue that actually holds a lot of personal meaning for me. We're going to learn about the research of Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn, research that proves that coronary heart disease is actually a foodborne illness. Now, during my takeaway at the end of the show, I'm going to share with you how changing to a plant-based diet allowed my husband, my own husband, to go from taking insulin four times a day and lots of medication as a diabetic. And he ended up, as the result of the plant-based diet, to cutting out many of his medications and only taking a small amount of insulin once a day. Actually, we're convinced that this change to a plant-based diet actually saved his life. Dr. Conwell Esselstyn has been associated with the Cleveland Clinic since 1968. His scientific publication, Prevent and Reverse Heart Disease, is the result of a 20-year nutritional study that proves how we can end heart disease by changing what we eat. With this eating plan, sufferers of coronary heart disease can maintain cholesterol levels low enough to ensure that they will never have a heart attack. It's unbelievable research, and it's a tremendous honor to welcome Dr. Codwell Esselstyn to Caught Between Generations. Welcome, Dr. Esselstyn. Well, th- thank you for having me. I'm delighted to be with you. Thank you. Dr. Esselstyn, what exactly is coronary heart disease? Well, right now, coronary artery disease is the number one killer of women and men in Western civilization, and what happens is there is, in the form that we call coronary artery disease, the coronary arteries are the arteries that supply blood to the heart muscle. And when they become progressively blocked, that's when we have coronary artery disease. The, uh, there are several dimensions to this. Uh, obviously, the, the worst one is when you have a heart attack and somebody succumbs or dies. Uh, but there are many, uh, millions of others who have a heart attack and they, maybe their lives are, are compromised or they have one heart attack and then they have future cardiovascular episodes. But the, the interesting thing is that the, uh, uh, the truth of the matter is that we in the West, in Europe and the United States, have really built a billion-dollar specialty 
around cardiovascular disease, an illness that doesn't even exist in half of the planet. For example, if you were a cardiac surgeon or a cardiologist and you took your trade to Okinawa, the Papua Highlands in New Guinea, rural China, uh, Central Africa, or the Tarahumara Indians in northern Mexico, <laughs> you can forget it. You better plan on selling pencils because you're not going to get any cardiovascular. These people have a common denominator of thriving on whole food, plant-based nutrition without oil. And uh, they don't have cardiovascular epidemic or disease. So for those of us that are living here um, and do develop coronary heart disease, I mean, can it be stopped or can it be reversed? Well, the exciting thing is that this is not a malignancy. And uh, I should give a, a couple of other epidemiologic uh, examples. For, for example, uh, it was really quite striking what occurred in Norway during World War II when the uh, Germans occupied uh, the countries in Western Europe and Belgium and Holland, and they occupied Denmark and Norway. Characteristically, the Germans took away for their troops uh, the, all the livestock. So that they took away their cattle, their sheep, their goats, their pigs, their chickens, their turkeys, gone. So suddenly now these Western European nations during <clears throat> 1939 through 1945 were largely plant-based. And when uh, doctors uh, Strom and Jansen looked up the death rates from heart disease and stroke in Norway, during this period, these deaths absolutely plummeted. Uh, who knew these Germans were these great public health educators? But as soon as, <laughs> oh, there, as, soon as there was a death of Adolf Hitler and the cessation of hostilities in the European theater, immediately back came the meat, back come the dairy, back came the strokes, and back come the heart attacks. It was really quite, uh, quite an impressive uh, event that sort of occurred under these circumstances. So I've heard you talk before about um, your, your work with Dr. Crow, uh, who was a physician, I believe, was a physician at the Cleveland Clinic. Can you tell us that story? Yeah, I, I think that maybe it would be appropriate uh, to, uh, to uh, precede that with a, uh, a little bit of information about what we understand about the, the causation of this illness. Okay. Because this illness is not uh, caused by, uh, I mean, this is an area where all experts agree, is where the, this in, uh, disease has its inception, its beginning, its onset, is when we progressively injure that delicate innermost lining of our arteries, which is, uh, has a name, it's called the endothelium. And what makes the endothelium so remarkable is it makes an absolutely magic molecule of gas called nitric oxide. And nitric oxide has a number of very significant and important functions that protects us. One, it keeps all the cellular elements within our bloodstream flowing smoothly like Teflon rather than Velcro. Keeps things from getting sticky. Number two, nitric oxide 
is the strongest blood vessel dilator in the body. When you climb stairs, the arteries to your heart, the arteries to your legs, they widen, they dilate. That's nitric oxide. Number three, nitric oxide protects the wall of the artery from becoming stiffened, thick, or inflamed. It protects us from getting high blood pressure, hypertension. Number four, and this is absolutely key, a normal healthy amount of nitric oxide will protect you from ever developing blockages or plaque in your coronary arteries. So literally, everybody on the planet who has cardiovascular disease has their disease because they have so sufficiently trashed, injured, and compromised the capacity of their endothelial cell to make nitric oxide. They simply don't have enough to protect themselves. And now... You're probably wondering, well, how is it that we injure this delicate endothelium? Well, there are, now we know that there are certain foods that every time they pass your lips, you injure the endothelial cell ability to make nitric oxide. What are those foods? They are, one, oils, olive oil, corn oil, soybean oil, safflower oil, sunflower oil, coconut oil, palm oil, oil in a cracker, oil in a piece of bread. Oil and salad dressing. Oil injures the endothelial cells, as does anything with a mother or a face. Meat, fish, chicken, fowl, turkey, and anything that's dairy. Milk, cream, butter, cheese, ice cream, and yogurt. And any excesses, sugary drinks, stevia, agave, and any excess of maple syrup, molasses, and honey. And uh, largely when people eliminate those foods, since this is not a malignancy, the endothelial cells once again begin to restore their ability to make nitric oxide and will make enough so that not only can you halt the disease, but often we see striking examples of disease reversal. And that's what uh, occurred with uh, my good friend and colleague, Dr. Crow, who you mentioned earlier. Because Joe was at age 44, uh, uh, actually replaced me as chairman of the Breast Cancer Task Force. And in the summer of 1996, at age 44, Joe Crow, with a cholesterol of 156, not a smoker, exercising, not overweight, uh, cholesterol was 156, and he was not hypertensive, he was not diabetic, and he began getting these chest pains. And finally, in October of 96, he saw cardiology. They worked him up, could find nothing. So four weeks later, he finished his surgical schedule and sat down to write post-operative orders when suddenly he got this terrific elephant sitting on his chest, pain in his left jaw, shoulder, and arm. He was having a heart attack, and he was whipped down to the catheterization laboratory, and they started his catheterization he sustained a cardiac arrest. They resuscitated him, finished the catheterization, and uh, <clears throat> then he stabilized. And three days later, he was discharged. But he was very, <clears throat> he was very depressed because, at the time of his catheterization, they found that the entire lower one third of his left anterior descending coronary artery, which has the uh, <clears throat> name of the Widowmaker. Uh, was all moth-eaten and diseased over too long a segment to have a stent or multiple stents and too far down the artery to qualify for bypass. So he felt that there was nothing that they really could do for him except give him some drugs. Uh, 
So uh, my wife and I had uh, Joe and his wife out for supper two weeks after his heart attack, and I simply said, look, Joe, come on. You've been eating this horrible Western diet, and you've got the typical Western diet disease. Why don't you give it a chance and think about whole food, plant-based nutrition? We've got 10 years of data. So he looked at me and he said, you know, I'm going to give it a shot. They couldn't offer me anything else, and I'm certainly not going to take those statins. I don't trust them. I heard there's too many side effects. So I said, that's, that's your call. <clears throat> not a problem. He became the absolute personification of commitment to whole food, plant-based nutrition. Two and a half years later, he had another angiogram. Now, up in the surgical office area, our door, doors were three doors apart. <clears throat> so at noontime, on the day that I knew uh, earlier in the morning, Joe had had his follow-up angiogram, uh, now two and a half years since his heart attack, uh, I walked over to his office, opened the door, there he was sitting behind his desk, and I simply said, Joe, I understand you had the uh, follow-up angiogram earlier this morning. Mind sharing with me? How did things go? So he got up from his desk, walked around, put his arms around me with a few tears and said, you know, I think we're doing okay. So I said, well, do you think that it would be possible for me to have a look at, <laughs> at the angiogram? And he said, yes. Dr. Esselstyn? Completely, completely reversed. I'm going to break you for just a moment. And I mean, this is like the moment because we have to go to break. And then as soon as we come back, we're going to find out what that, what that angiogram, if that's correct, is saying. And I'm also want to, I also want to talk to you about why more physicians don't recommend a plant-based diet. And I want to talk to you a little bit about some of our associations in this country, like the American Heart Association. So stay with us. If you want the answer about Dr. Crow, stay with us. We'll be right back. life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. At Sarah Care, we provide daytime activities in health-related care for seniors who need assistance and support during the day. It is 101 activities at home by dinner. While we pride ourselves on the quality of our care, the Sarah Care Way sees beyond your loved one's needs to understand them as a unique individual. We care for individuals with chronic diseases, memory loss, stroke, Parkinson's disease, or those who may be feeling depressed and isolated. Our program is designed to encourage seniors to remain involved in activities of their choice, customized to meet their interests and abilities. Our outings include lunch at favorite restaurants and trips to the movies, concerts, or shopping at a cost that is less than five hours of in-home care. Your family member can attend one of our centers all day and be cared for by professional nurses and activity assistants. Transportation and financial assistance is available. Call 1-800-472-5544 today to learn how Sarah Care can help or visit us on the web at sarahcare.com. That's S-A-R-A-H care.com. Do you ever have an off day? Or is your life positive and uplifting? Making Life Brighter is a forum for positive, 
inspired and contemplative thought, showcasing experts in their fields, including authors, musicians, and artists. Your host, Winifred Adams, will bring to life topics to stimulate and make your life brighter. We want to hear from you. Be sure to tune in Thursdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Caught Between Generations. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Dr. Merrill at CaughtBetweenGenerations.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Caught Between Generations. We're talking with Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn, whose 20-year nutritional study is the longest study of its kind ever conducted, and it produced clear evidence of how we can end the heart disease epidemic in this country just by changing what we eat. That's all. We just need to change what we eat. Before the break, Dr. Esselstyn was telling us about um, his experience with Dr. Crow, who had, I'm going to let you say this because I'm going to say it wrong, Dr. Esselstyn, about very bad heart disease. He had basically what was called a widow's maker, and you had convinced him to go on a plant-based diet. Can you tell us what happened as well, a result yes, of that? Uh, the widow maker is the, so the, the main artery in the front of the heart, and it, with Dr. Crow, the entire lower one-third was moth-eaten and diseased with atherosclerosis, and that was where he had his uh, heart attack. And it was diseased over much too, too long a segment, so he was not a candidate for stents. And it was too far down the artery uh, to be a candidate for bypass. So even though he recovered from his heart attack, he was very depressed because he felt that they hadn't been able to do anything for him. So when, I, when my wife and I had Joe and his wife for, for dinner, two weeks after his heart attack, uh, I, I was pretty, pretty forthright with Joe. I said, look, you've been eating this hideous Western uh, diet, this American diet, which is uh, uh, so responsible for all this uh, disease that you made in your heart. So... Uh, in as much as they didn't offer you any stents or bypasses, why don't you think about whole food plant-based nutrition because we've got 10 years of data indicating that this can, can work. He said, okay, I'm going to try it, but I'm not going to take any of those statin drugs. I said, well, that's fine. I said, that's, you know, he, he was concerned about the side effects and so forth. Well, he became the absolute personification of commitment to plant-based nutrition over the next two and a half years. His total cholesterol plummeted. His bad LDL cholesterol went from 98 to 38. And lo and behold, after two and a half years following his heart attack, he had another angiogram. And uh, it was interesting that, uh, as I mentioned, we have our offices in the same general area. And at noontime, on the day that I knew earlier that day, Joe had had his angiogram, I walked over and let myself in through his door. He was sitting behind his desk. I said, Joe, how'd the uh, angiogram grow? He got up, walked around, put his arms around me, a few tears, and said, I think, I think we're doing okay. I said, well, is there a chance that I could see the angiogram? He said, sure. And lo and behold, all of the 
blockage that he had had at the time of his heart attack had now resolved. And it was really quite striking. And it was such an uh, excitement for us because it was a vivid uh, reminder of the incredible power of healing that our bodies have. Now, not everybody with a plaque or blockages of the coronary artery will have the kind of resolution that Dr. Crow did because when the plaque is made up of inflammation, cholesterol, and fat, the body really has the cellular machinery to be able to reverse this. On the other hand, if a plaque has been there for many decades and it's filled up with calcification, fibrosis, and scar, the likelihood of reducing it very much is very minimal, if any. But yet, the interesting thing is, even those patients absolutely are going to eventually blossom with this approach. Collateral has been to take over. The flow uh, is improved through the, ves- through the vessel. And the vessels that are intramuscularly, where they don't have plaque, those vessels throughout the heart that are within the muscle, which have been vasoconstricted when the patient was eating the wrong diet, now once again dilate so the entire vasculature uh, of the heart uh, really is so remarkably improved uh, that these patients uh, really put an end to their disease and are very uh, gratified when they recognize that they have been empowered themselves. Not a drug, not a procedure, not an operation. They have been empowered themselves to uh, halt and to reverse this disease. So why don't more physicians recommend a plant-based diet then? Well, that's an interesting and certainly a wonderful question. And I think that we're seeing it's so different. Now, when I started this 30 years ago, uh, there was Dean Ornish who was involved uh, several years before I was. uh, And uh, for the longest time, it was just sort of the, the two of us. But here lately in the last five and 10 years, you can see uh, younger physicians who are absolutely fed up with the fact that, you know, it's, you have your first stent, several years go by, you have another stent, then you maybe have four or five or six stents, then you have to have a bypass, then you have to have stents put in the bypass, then eventually you develop congestive heart failure, and then you die of a completely benign foodborne illness that never had its causation treated. That's unacceptable. And, uh, but the problem with uh, using whole food plant-based nutrition is, multi, is multifold, and I, and I don't really fault the majority of cardiologists who really, I think, in their heart of hearts, would like to see their patients get well. But number one, They never receive any training in nutrition in medical school. They never receive any training in nutrition during their uh, postgraduate or in their cardiology residency or training. So here you're asking them to do do something for which they have absolutely no confidence and no training. Now, sure, they can read our articles and they can read what Ornish's does and what I've done. But then they'll say, well, wait a minute. Uh, You know, their their patients don't, no, no patients seem to want to do this. Well, When you're seeking a lifestyle change, you simply can forget it if all you're going to do is give them three minutes after a 10-minute office visit because 
something as profound as changing one's nutrition and lifestyle. Nothing is as personal, perhaps, as religion and sex and your food that you eat. So if this is going to have it, uh, happen, you have got to somehow show great respect for the patient. And the only way that I know to show a patient respect is to give them uh, my time. So our uh, counseling session consists of you no know, more than 10 or 12 patients, always with their significant other or spouse. And in as much as uh, 85% of these patients come from outside of Ohio, uh, this is the one chance I get to, to really see them. Now, I do have an opportunity. Two weeks before our seminar, I personally insist on calling all of them myself so that I can have an opportunity to get my arms around their story. And at the same time, they have an opportunity to ask questions of me so that coming to the seminar, we have a strong platform from which we can all move forward. And right now, when the last time when I looked up some uh, close, to, close to 200 patients that we'd followed for uh, close to four years, we were running about a 90% compliance, actually 893 and uh, everybody thinks this is quite exciting. Well, we do too, but we think the way you achieve this is by showing the respect. And during this counseling seminar, I should say, what, what do we do? One, we make the patients clearly understand what it was that they did or have done to create this disease in the first place and how it is that they themselves will be empowered as the locus of control to halt and to reverse this disease. And for some patients, this is almost brings them to tears to think that they themselves, not a procedure, not an operation, not a drug, that they themselves, by how they eat, are empowered to stop this disease, which has been trying to take them out and actually in some places try to kill them. So in addition, uh, everybody receives a very hefty notebook uh, that has uh, within it uh, every PowerPoint slide that I use during this seminar several of our scientific articles. We have a 44-page handout for all of them that has many additional recipes that add to the 240 in the two volumes that we provide them. And then there's a marvelous hour and a quarter from a woman who's had 30 years' experience acquiring and preparing plant-based foods, dealing with reading ingredients, travel, and restaurants. And then... Everybody receives a DVD of the entire seminar, so should they go home and get forgetful, they can flip this on and get themselves back up to speed. And then we always have two or three local or regional participants who have had a previous successful experience share their story with those in attendance who are then able to say to themselves, listen, if he or she can do this, I can do this. Then we have a delightful plant-based luncheon, answer questions, and then stay in touch as necessary through email or phone call. Dr. Esselstyn, we're getting ready to close, and I'm so disappointed because I had a lot more questions to ask you. I will tell our listeners that my husband and I, and my husband is a cardiologist, have attended Dr. Esselstyn's um, sessions, and they are fabulous. And my husband is a cardiologist, thinks very highly of Dr. Esselstyn and his research. Um, And you're right. Your wife is an absolute unbelievable presenter. Um, and the food is great. So I would highly, highly recommend. Dr. Esselstyn, how does someone find out more information about your seminar and about your book? 
Well, they can call my secretary, Jacqueline Fry, and she her phone number is area code 216-448-8556. And Great. you'll find Jack, Jackie is very gracious and quite accommodating. She is. She absolutely is. Dr. Esselstyn, thank you so much for joining us today on Caught Between Generations. Thank you. All right. When we return, we'll be talking with Mary McGowan about specifically about women and heart disease. So stay with us. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Where's your mom? What's she doing? You'd know if she was at Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. You'd know she's enjoying a full day of activities program just for her interests, like art classes, volunteering, pet care, and card club. And she's home by dinner. And what's different is that Sarah Care actually has nursing care right there with her. So you'd know. Try one free day of care at Sarah Care. Call 330-451-6108. How's your mom? She's just fine at Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. Do you know about Reiki? This method of healing can complement Western medicine as well as other alternative practices. Besides healing, it can have the additional effect of making you feel more positive about yourself and the world around you. By tuning into For the Love of Reiki with host Paula Vale, you'll find how Reiki can improve your health, bring balance into your life, and fill you with joy. For the Love of Reiki is broadcast live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Do you feel that you aren't at your best when it comes to your personal health? Even if your doctor gives you a clean bill of health and says everything is in working order, perhaps you aren't feeling at the top of your game. Dr. Rebecca Risk overcame pain and fatigue despite all tests to the contrary. Learn how she put her health back on track and how you can too on Falling Through the Cracks. Live every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Listening to Caught Between Generations. To reach our program today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Dr. Merrill at CaughtBetweenGenerations.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Caught Between Generations. We were talking to Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn about heart disease being a plant-based diet. And now we welcome Mary McGowan, who currently serves as the CEO of Women Heart, the National Coalition for Women with Heart Disease. And Mary created and implemented Women's Heart National Hospital Alliance, which is comprised of hospitals committed to advancing women's heart health. Welcome to Caught Between Generations, Mary. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity to be on the show this afternoon. Oh, so Mary, there's lots of misunderstandings about women and heart disease. So I want to talk about some myths um, at the very beginning. So one of those myths is that the primary killer of women is cancer. Can you respond to that? Myth, fact, what is it? 
Yes, absolutely. Well, actually, uh, heart disease is the number one killer of women, and um, heart disease actually uh, impacts women five times uh, the greater risk than uh, cancer does. So, uh, so in other words, women are five times more likely to die of all cancers combined. So there is a real, uh, you know, misunderstanding almost of this uh, fact in terms of uh, what is the number one health issue for women. Uh, and clearly it is heart disease and women need to uh, pay much more attention to this fact so that they can live a heart healthy life to help prevent the disease. You know, I think that's interesting because I think if you went out on the street and you just did a survey and you said, "What's the number? Kill, you know, what's the number one killer of women?" They would tell you breast cancer. Yes, most women believe that is the case. And what's interesting about that is, unfortunately, we have many women in our database um, because, um, of course, cancer treatments can impact your heart. And so, in some cases. Uh, women who have gone through uh, cancer treatments of any kind, not just breast cancer, um, unfortunately uh, sometimes do end up with heart disease as a result of those treatments. So we do see that quite often uh, with our members in our organization. So the second thing I'd like you to respond to is that, well, you know, it's only us old babes that have problems with heart disease. It's just the oldies but goodies. You know, if you're younger, you don't have to worry about heart disease. Well, you know, unfortunately, we do see a rise in heart disease in younger women, uh, particularly between the ages of 35 and 54. Um, so heart disease is on the rise, and I, I think you're right. I mean, w- people typically think of the face of heart disease as being a more mature woman. It's most interesting, though, because uh, we do an annual national event uh, called the Winger Awards. It's named after Dr. Nanette Winger out of Emory University, um, who's an extraordinary cardiologist. And um, this year, the theme, interestingly enough, was uh, young women and heart disease. And we had, you know, three beautiful young women on stage who told their stories. Uh, in a very impactful and uh, very interesting way. And I think the attendees at the event uh, were very, very uh, interested in what they had to say because this unfortunately is becoming uh, the new face of heart disease. So what do you think um, is the cause of that, that that suddenly we see a rise in heart disease among women and also see a rise in heart disease among younger women? Mm-hmm. Well, I think there are some, uh, you know, research and studies that are being uh, done on this. And young women are the fastest growing segment of women developing heart disease, as I said. And one of the reasons is that they are more likely to have coronary microvascular disease, um, which is less easily detected um, and treated in men. And also, you know, outcomes are also negatively impacted um, as women more frequently develop this microvascular disease. And this is a heart disease that affects the walls and inner lining of small coronary artery blood vessels that branch off from the larger coronary arteries. 
And so diagnosing coronary microvascular disease is a challenge for doctors because standard tests used to diagnose coronary heart disease, such as the electrocardiogram test or the echocardiogram test um, and the stress test even, are not designed to detect this coronary microvascular disease. So as a result, uh, microvascular disease in women is often undetected. Um, so this is definitely one of the, the reasons. We also see some other heart conditions that researchers are still trying to understand more that disproportionately affect women and, and young women. Um, so two of these examples, uh, one is what is called sudden coronary artery dissection or SCAD. Um, and the other is broken heart syndrome. So SCAD is a spontaneous tearing of the coronary artery wall, which can lead to a heart attack. And we see this in younger women, and particularly around pregnancy, we see this. And broken heart syndrome occurs when uh, a traumatic life event triggers a sudden surge of stress hormones. Um, and this causes a part of the heart to temporarily enlarge and not pump blood as well. And so this broken heart syndrome can lead to severe short-term heart failure or severe arrhythmia. So some of these uh, are definitely impacting younger women and heart disease. So Mary, are the symptoms of um, heart disease different in women than they are in men? I mean, how would I know that I might have heart disease? I mean, do I feel the elephant on my chest or, or is it different? Um, yes, yeah, so the symptoms can be very different um, in women than in men. Um, so, and they're also, you know, unfortunately, they tend to be less commonly recognized. So while men most often experience sharp pain in the chest when they're having a heart attack, women are, are likely to have more subtle symptoms, including pain or discomfort in their stomach or their jaw, neck or back. Sometimes they feel nauseous or have shortness of breath. And those differences aren't always well understood by doctors or women themselves, but they are extremely important. Uh, approximately one in five women who arrive at the emergency room with these symptoms is likely to be misdiagnosed. And, mis of course, misdiagnosis can be fatal. Um, and what's most interesting, I think, is that cardiovascular disease clinical trials have only included about 25% of women. So there is much to be learned about women in heart disease. And Women Heart is encouraging more women to enroll in clinical trials as the science continues to show us that heart disease can be very different in women than it is in men. And as we say at Women Heart all the time, women are not small men, right? Physiologically and emotionally, there are differences. And the medical community makes determinations based mostly upon results in male subjects. And that's a huge problem. As an example, men and women can absorb and react uh, to medications and med medicines differently, yet we're dosed the same amount. Um, so, you know, that's really very uh, interesting and important for both clinicians and women uh, to know about. Um, and despite new legislation in the past few years to increase the rate of participation of women in clinical research, women are not enrolling in clinical trials in equal numbers as men. 
So, you know, since more men than women are represented in these trials for drugs and devices to treat heart disease, these drugs and devices are not proven to be as effective and safe in women as they are in men. And so it is important for women who have heart disease to enroll in clinical research. So what can women do, Mary, to prevent heart disease? Oh, well, that's the good news, is that there's plenty that women can do to uh, prevent heart disease. So nearly 80% of heart disease in women is preventable through, you know, living a healthy lifestyle. And women should adopt um, some of the following lifestyle uh, changes or behaviors to prevent heart disease. So uh, definitely eating a healthy diet. Stop smoking or or not starting to smoke, of course. Managing LDL or what is labeled as bad cholesterol. Uh, Being physically active. Uh, Of course, the Department of Health and Human Services recommends about 150 minutes each week of moderate intensity aerobic physical activity or L75 minutes um, each week of vigorous intense aerobic physical activity like jogging or swimming. Um, Certainly reducing stress uh, through activities such as yoga and meditation. And certainly if there are any comorbidities such as diabetes, if diabetes is present, um, of course managing these comorbidities that can impact uh, the heart. Um, But it's also important to note, I think, that some heart disease in women is not preventable. Um, So, uh, as example, congenital heart disease, uh, right, there are no preventable risk factors uh, for this in women or sometimes family history um, or postmenopause issues. Uh, So I think those are important to point out as well. So do you agree with Dr. Esselstyn? I mean, he was on the show earlier about the plant-based diet. Um, Do you see the importance of that for women also? Well, I do see the importance of, again, eating a very healthy diet um, with lots of vegetables and fruits and nuts. And these things that we know uh, from a scientific standpoint are heart healthy. So, again, a heart healthy diet is, is one of the main things uh, that women can do uh, to prevent uh, heart disease. So I, we don't have a lot of time before the break. I wonder if you could very quickly tell, tell me why the outcomes for women tend to be not as good as the outcomes for men in the treatment of heart disease. Um, so outcomes um, for women, there can be, um, uh, you know, different things that um, are related to this. Um, so outcomes can be different, again, because the signs and symptoms are different, and so they get, um, you know, the misdiagnoses that can happen. Um, Another reason has to do with uh, cardiac rehabilitation. So cardiac rehabilitation is proven to reduce the likelihood of a second cardiac event, um, decrease the death rate. It certainly reduces hospital readmissions or helps to do so and improves the health and recovery of those who suffer from cardiovascular disease. And research shows that women receive a greater health benefit from cardiac rehab compared to men. Yet, women are not referred to in many cases, do not participate in, 
and do not complete cardiac rehabilitation as frequently as men do. Um, And it's important for women who recently had a heart event or a heart procedure to ask their doctor to refer them to cardiac rehab as part of their treatment plan. Um, And and if they are referred, then based on what you're saying, then they have to go. I mean, it's part of the problem with women is that we always put ourselves last and we never put ourselves at the top of the priority list or the to-do list. It's just a problem that we have. Mary, I want you to hold that thought when we're going to go to break. And when we return, we'll be discussing with Mary some special topics, including how heart disease impacts African-American women and does it affect them differently. And very interesting to me as a therapist is the impact of depression on heart disease. Stay with us. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. At SarahCare, we provide daytime activities and health-related care for seniors who need assistance and support during the day. It is 101 activities and home by dinner. While we pride ourselves on the quality of our care, the Sarah Care Way sees beyond your loved one's needs to understand them as a unique individual. We care for individuals with chronic diseases, memory loss, stroke, Parkinson's disease, or those who may be feeling depressed and isolated. Our program is designed to encourage seniors to remain involved in activities of their choice, customized to meet their interests and abilities. Our outings include lunch at favorite restaurants and trips to the movies, concerts, or shopping at a cost that is less than five hours of in-home care. Your family member can attend one of our centers all day and be cared for by professional nurses and activity assistants. Transportation and financial assistance is available. Call 1-800-472-5544 today to learn how Sarah Care can help or visit us on the web at sarahcare.com. That's S-A-R-A-H-Care.com. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Caught Between Generations. To reach our program today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Dr. Merrill at CaughtBetweenGenerations.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Caught Between Generations, and we're here with Mary McGowan, who is the CEO for Women Heart and also the founder of the National Hospital Alliance, which we'll talk to her about in a few minutes. But before we do that, Mary, I wanted to ask you about the incidence of heart disease in African-American women. Is it higher or lower, and what are the reasons for that? 
Um, yes. Well, actually, African-American women and Hispanic-American women bear an even greater burden of heart disease than Caucasian women because they have higher rates of obesity, physical inactivity, high blood pressure, cholesterol, and diabetes. Um, and so, of course, this definitely impacts um, heart disease in the African-American community. Um, so 81.9% of African-American women are uh, overweight or obese. And uh, this, uh, along with blood pressure issues, 46.1% of African-American women have high blood pressure. And African-Americans bear a disproportionate burden of stroke and hypertension-related heart disease, congestive heart failure, and renal dysfunction. So all of these are definitely impacting uh, the African-American community. Um, And actually, Women Heart is doing a lot to reach out to this community um, because they are at even higher risk. So what can be done to to lower the risk? Is it an issue of diet or trying to get to a physician sooner? I mean, what can they do? I mean, these are really serious numbers. Um, Yes. So I think definitely um, more education and awareness about this issue is definitely needed. Um, support, I think, is an important component. Is you know the, we offer at Women Heart peer-to-peer support, and this is so critical, uh, both in primary as well as secondary prevention uh, and comorbidity-related uh, issues. And so, uh, to be able to support these women in the education and the ongoing lifestyle through our monthly support group meetings that we now have nationwide is really critical. Um, and these things we know are having an impact on better patient outcomes. What about depression, Mary? I mean, does depression impact heart disease? I, I found what you had, what you said before about stress and broken heart syndrome extremely interesting. So, can depression impact women's heart? Yes, and as a matter of fact, even mild forms of depression um, or depressive symptoms can increase heart disease. Um, but the exact relationship between cardiovascular disease and depression is is not quite clear. Uh, it is no longer believed that development of depressed mood after a CVD uh, cardiovascular event is a simply a, a normal response to illness. Um, and the interesting thing about depression in women is that depression is twice as common in women as it is in men um, and increases the risk of heart disease by two to three times compared with women who are not depressed, regardless of race, ethnicity, or economic background. Um, so, And, of course, depression, um, for women who have depression, it makes it difficult for women to maintain a healthy lifestyle and to follow recommended treatment, which, of course, then impacts uh, their recovery process. And so we're talking about normal depression, I mean, clinical depression that one would get. Um, I mean, are, are life events a high-risk time for, for women in heart disease, such as, you know, when losing a spouse or having to move or a loss of a job? Are these high-risk times for women? These are absolutely high-risk time for women. Um, again, just going through a traumatic event or surgery uh, can have, of course, an impact on depression. And then, of course, being diagnosed with a chronic disease 
can certainly, uh, you know, these tremendous feelings of fear and isolation that women can feel after an event or after a diagnosis. Uh, and that's, again, why it's so important for women to connect with WinHeart because we can impact uh, their recovery and provide psychosocial support um, and these connections that we have with other women who, who are going through the same thing or have been in those same shoes. And we help to empower women through this really important and critical time uh, to help women, uh, you know, with emotional uh, risk factors. So, Mary, I'm, I so apologize to you. Um, we're running out of time. So tell us if we wanted to get more information about Women Heart and also um, the National Hospital Alliance, which I kn- know you founded, and so hospitals have come together to really try to, you know, generate more education and information about women's heart disease. How would we find out more about that? Yes, so to find out more about it, our website is www.womenheart, all one word, womenheart.org, and our phone number is 202-728-7199, so that's how best to get in touch with us, and yes, the National Hospital Alliance, we are so thrilled about it. It's a fairly new initiative. Uh, We have over 40 hospital members now, um, and these are uh, hospitals who are committed to gender-sensitive care. And uh, the whole point in launching this program is to ensure that every woman in every community through her hospital has access to the most up-to-date and appropriate uh, information for women and heart disease, and so that they also have access to support uh, through these hospitals and through this membership with Women Heart. Um, so we're looking for more hospitals to join this very rapidly growing alliance um, who is really now uh, becoming a unified voice and a leader alliance across the nation for other hospitals in the care and treatment for women and cardiovascular disease. Mary, thank you so much for joining us today, and thank you so much for all the good work that you do. On behalf of women across the country, I really, really thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you. It was such a pleasure to be a part of this afternoon's program and greatly appreciate all that you are doing in the fight against heart disease in women. Thank you. Thank you. So, um, I'm actually, we're running out of time today for my takeaway. So, I had promised you I would tell you the story of my husband and his diabetes. I'm just going to give you the bottom line on it. He was on insulin four times a day. They were going to put him on an insulin pump. And I said, no, 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 we need a better solution. And so, the better solution that we came up with is he became uh, vegan and I became vegetarian. So, I just want to tell you, it was difficult, but... We are thoroughly convinced, as I told you at the beginning, it really saved his life because he went to giving himself insulin four times a day and needing a pump to a little insulin every other day, sometimes once a day, no pump, and he's off most of his meds. And he is a cardiologist, and I will tell you when he came, we came back from learning about plant-based diets, he started to put his own patients on a plant-based diet. That's how strongly he believed about this. I know it's hard, and when I talk about this, people are like, no, I can't give up my meat. It's so important to me. Well, let me tell you something. Dying is not a great alternative. So tomorrow on my Facebook Live episode, I'm going to 
talk to you about how you make these changes to a plant-based diet. How do you shop, prepare meals? What about holidays? What about travel? I've been there. I've suffered through it, and I've lived through it, and I've got some great tips. So I hope you'll listen to my Facebook Live tomorrow. Remember, you can write to me at drmerrill at caughtbetweengenerations.com. And if you would do me this favor, please, could you rate us on iTunes? Could you leave a review? And your review will help us to continue sharing helpful information for listeners like you. Please, do your one thing for yourself this week. Really take a look at what you're doing. And is that hamburger really worth losing a loved one? or you're not being able to continue to care for other people. I hope you'll listen to us some more, and you'll do that just one thing. Thank you so much for sharing your time with me today. I know you're really, really busy and overwhelmed, and so I really appreciate your sharing this with me. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in to Caught Between Generations with Dr. Mel Griff. Our program is live every Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We hope to see you here next week.